Let's all say, Dr. Bradford, preach to us. Dr. Bradford, preach to us. Thank you, Ronnie. Uh, I hope I can live up to the expectations that, uh, that you have. <laughs> um, and if, if Nelda approves you getting that GMC, let uh, have her talk to my wife as well. <laughs> um, I, I uh, do want to uh, thank, uh, first off, God uh, for this opportunity. Um, this has been a calling that uh, has been on my life for years. Um, uh, Pastor Ron actually spoke to me probably about uh, a little over a year ago, I believe. He, he texted me and said, I want to have breakfast with you. We met um, anytime the pastor texts and says, you want to have breakfast, you know something's coming. Um, I've grown up in the church long enough and known that for my dad. Um, but he, uh, he, he said that uh, Beth had shared some things with him that I used to speak, and she had heard me years ago speak, and he wanted me to start speaking in church. That calling on God, I think we went a little different route, that, that my calling was more in schools and to love kids and to work, work with them. Um, but uh, he's worked me in slowly, and so he texted me a few weeks ago. He said, I think it's time. I said, okay, I'm not going not gonna to argue with you here for it. So uh, thank God for the gift, number one. Uh, thank Pastor Ron for entrusting me with this. This is a, a high honor to stand behind a pulpit um, for a pastor. On a Sunday morning, um, and so I, I want to thank him for this opportunity. Um, and then finally, thank you to my wife. Uh, she has uh, endured me uh, researching and studying this week, um, coming to bed late um, as I've uh, kind of uh, just looked through the Word um, and wanted to make sure I was fully prepared. Uh, so thank you for your support this week um, as well, uh, Ronnie. I, I will say uh, I'm kind of glad that you made the comment you did about praise. I think it aligns very closely with the message today. Um, that we're going to talk about. Um, I believe that we do worship and praise God well, but I do believe that if we want to get to the next level, if we want to experience the breakthrough and revival that God wants us to have, that God has promised us to have in the Scripture, then we are going to have to have a more desperate desire for Him, a more desperate desire to not only praise, to pray, and to worship Him. And so that's what I'm going to speak on today, uh, is a desperate desire Um As we go through the scripture, our text today is going to come from two uh, areas. Uh, Number one, uh, Psalms 42, one through four. It says, as the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, God. My soul thirsts for God and for the living God. When I when can I go out? When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. And then in Jeremiah 29, verses 12 through 14, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Webster's Dictionary defines the word desperate as of having a great need or a desire for something. Synonyms include in great need of, urgently, craving, in want of, wanting, Eager, aching, longing, yearning, thirsty, and crying out. The Reverend Billy Graham once wrote, What does it mean to long for someone? Remember, one of the synonyms for uh, desperate is longing. It means that a person is unsatisfied. They are unfulfilled because there is someone he or she much wants to be near. To hear that certain voice, to experience that special presence. Usually, particularly when the object is someone very much loved by the person who is longing for another, there is hardly a waking moment when that person is not on the mind of the one who is longing for. 
Have you ever been underwater for a period of time that is longer than you have expected? You know as the time ticks away how desperate you become to reach the surface and breathe for air. The greater the time underwater, the more you long for the breath of air until your desire overwhelms you and you rush to get to the surface as quickly and as rapidly as possible. You have no other thoughts but quenching that need for air. This is what it means to long for God. In another context, it is what it means to hunger and thirst, which he spoke of in his word. After righteousness, with the same desires that lead us to quench our physical need for food and water. So as we go through the sermon today, I hope I am able to define what it means to have a desperate desire for God. First off, when you have a desperate desire for God, when we are desperate, we seek him relentlessly. I will read that again. When we are desperate for God, we seek him relentlessly. In the Bible, I'm going to go through a few stories today and, and bear with me as I read some of the scriptures. Some of them I'll summarize for you. Uh, but there are tons of stories we could choose from the Bible of relentless individuals that just needed that touch, that just needed that moment with God. I was reminded as I started to look through of a scripture and, and a story of the man that was lowered through the roof. The Bible says... And now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by whom had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find out how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up to the housetop and let him down through his bed, the tilling before the midst of Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven. The scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise up and walk? But you know that the Son of Man has the power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And immediately he rose up before them. He took what had been lying on and departed his own house, glorifying God. The thing I want to point out in this story here is that he didn't let a crowd of people stop him. He didn't let the, and I can only imagine, I wasn't there obviously, but I can only imagine when he got to the door with these men and they saw that it was a packed house and they couldn't, that he looked at them and he said, I've got to get to Jesus. I know there's a healing there for me. I know I've got to get into this building somehow. And I don't know, and I don't care how you make it happen, but you get me in front of the man Jesus. And so then they climb to the rooftop there, and they lower him in the middle there. That is a relentless desire to get a touch from God. He refused to let anything or anyone deny him that opportunity to be in front of Jesus. That's the relentless desire that we must have in order to reach breakthrough. I'm reminded in Luke chapter 8, verse 43 through 48, the woman of the issue of blood. This is a very familiar story to most of us that have, have been in the church or have studied the Bible. There was a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years. Uh, the physicians, all the doctors, they couldn't figure out what it was. They couldn't heal her. They couldn't give her the right medicine. Um, and she comes into the, 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 the presence of Jesus. She pushes through a crowd of people. Again, there's people trying to stop her. Not intentionally, but they're there to worship this man, Jesus, see what this man, Jesus, is all about. And she pushes through. And the thing I point out about her desire that day was she didn't even think she had to get in front of him. She just felt like she had to touch the garment. To just put a hand on a piece of cloth from him and that she would receive that power and that healing power. And so she pushes through and she touches that garment. 
But Jesus felt her. Jesus felt her. But here's the thing. Jesus already knew she was coming. Amen. And so as he felt her, he, he, he looks up and he says, who touched me? They all denied it. And Peter looks at him and he says, your master, I, there's a ton of people in here. Everybody's bumping up against everybody. I mean, yeah. And he said, no, who touched me? For I have perceived the power that has left my body from me. And when the woman saw this, she came forth trembling and she said, master, it was I. And he said to her daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Again, there were 12 years of hurt and agony. This woman had tried everything she could to receive that healing power. But she relentlessly pushed through. She believed that if she could get a breakthrough with God, that if she could just touch the hem of a garment, then her life would be changed. You see, if we are desperate for God and we are willing to push through, we are willing to do anything to get to Him, then that outpouring will come. Our relentless faith today to trust in God, to know that he has our back, to know that he is here to provide to us if we will seek him, will push us to the place we need to go. If we are truly desperate for God's outpouring, then we will be relentless in our seeking of him. Pardon me. When we are desperate, we make sacrifice. I struggled with this one. And I didn't know which way God wanted me to go. And I think I, I, I looked through the, the, the Bible a few times for stories here. And the one that I finally settled upon was a story of Cornelius the Centurion. Uh, this is a, a, a more minor story uh, in, in terms of things that are often preached. But in Acts chapter 10, uh, there's a story of a, a, a centurion, um, a lawman, so to speak there. He was a devout man whose house feared God. He sacrificed to the poor and in prayer. And in Acts chapter 10, there was a story told of his fasting and how he fallen into a trance from God. Meanwhile, on the other side of town, Peter also was having a, a prayer moment with God and he had received a vision as well. And the Lord brought them together. But what I want to focus on here is in the scripture where it says that three days ago, as Peter came into uh, Cornelius told Peter, he said, three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. And suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Then Peter began to speak. I realize now how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised on uh, believers had come to Peter were astonished that the gifts of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues. And then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. You see, this was a man that was in tune with God. And when we're desperately seeking with him, we've gotten our house straight before we go to this altar. We've gotten things straight with God and we know that we're going to push through. We're going to sacrifice not only our time in prayer, but we're going to sacrifice in fasting. The Bible said he went into a trance. I believe that was because he was he was hungry for God. He was sacrificing his own self so he could get to that breakthrough. The Bible mentions that he gave to the poor. You're doing all right till you start talking about giving of time and money. But that's the way that we truly show God that we are ready to desperately seek him and to reach a dying world out in this world, the lost in this world. And so he he pushed through, he pushed through 
And you see the scripture there that while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came and anointed them. It was because of his desperation, his thoughts with God, his time with God, that the outpouring came upon those people. If we are truly to be desperate for God, then we will make those same sacrifices ourselves. Another story that many of you are familiar with is the story of Daniel. Daniel was a very faithful man in the Old Testament. He prayed, he dedicated himself to prayer. And despite a, a, a decree from the king not to pray, he still went and prayed. Not only did he pray, but he sacrificed food for 21 days at one point. Uh, if you're familiar with some of the fasting, uh, the Daniel prayer and fast is a very popular one that a lot of folks will go on. Um, but he rep- represents his time, his energy, and potentially his own life. Because he knew the consequence for praying to God. But it didn't, it didn't deny him. And so when we go back to point one, Daniel was just as relentless as the rest of those that we talked about because he was willing to sacrifice his own life. So he hears the decree, he goes up to his, his room, he opens the windows and he bows to pray three times a day. You see, Daniel had a habit of being thankful in his prayers. God was in the front and center of Daniel's prayers. He was at the front and center of his heart. Daniel was willing to combat the the fear and feelings of being overwhelmed by society. He didn't try to hide. He threw his windows open and made sure that people saw him praying. He had peace that God would bring him through. And he didn't know what that bringing him through might be. God could have very easily chosen to allow those lions to consume him when he was thrown in the pit for praying. But he knew that regardless of what happened, whether he was thrown in and the lions were given lockjaw as they were and he was safe, or whether he was thrown in and devoured, his relentless desire, his sacrifice for God was what was going to push breakthrough and he was going to have a reward. It was either going to be an uplifting of God's kingdom on this earth or it was going to be his reward in heaven. But he didn't let the fear of others, he didn't let the fear of what might happen stop him from pushing through and getting his breakthrough. His own unwavering faith in God made a lasting impression on others. King Darius proclaimed later after this decree that Daniel's God is our God. He is the only living God who endures forever. It was Daniel's sacrifice that not only pushed him deeper into his relationship with God, but it pushed the desire of a leader and a nation to serve God. We all recognize that we are in a day and time where we need God more than ever. And it is the prayers of the church folk. It is the prayer of those that are relentlessly seeking him that is going to make a change and going to make an impact on the world around us. That is going to make a change and an impact on the governments that we live in. If we are desperate when our relationship with God, then we will be willing to sacrifice. We will be willing to come out of hiding to him. He already knows all of our faults. He already knows all of our weaknesses. We're not hiding anything from God. But having a desperate desire for God means we stop trying to control our own lives. We stop withholding trust from God and we place it in his hand. Daniel had to have some trust in God. Amen. To go and to be as vocal and as visible as he was to the the, the people that would see him. And they weren't zooming by in, in, in GMC trucks or anything like that. They were walking. So it was very obvious when you walked by and you heard someone praying, my God, my God, with their window open. And so he trusted God that no matter what would happen, he would see him through. 
You see, sacrificing what you think is best and knowing that God's plan is the ultimate and master plan is what is considered desperately seeking Him. I'm going to say that again. Sacrificing what you think is best and knowing that God's plan is the ultimate and master plan is how we get to the point that I feel we need to be. In Hebrews 11 and 6, it says, Without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he comes to God, must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. To diligently seek him means we put every bit of faith, every ounce we have, into it. We don't give it 50%, 75 it is 100% each and every time we go down. The Reverend Billy Graham's uh, daughter, Ann Graham Lotz, is quoted in a book uh, about the Daniel Prayer, saying the Daniel Prayer is born deep within your soul. It erupts through your heart and pulls out on your lips. Words created by and infused with the Spirit of God, quivering with spiritual electricity. See, this is not just a five or ten minute prayer. This is a prayer where you get on your knees and you cry out to God and you pray and you seek for the change that you deserve and that you want. I was listening last night to the convention. Uh, Dr. William Lamb was speaking uh, and this is not where he was, but he spoke and, and it made me think about, uh, he was talking about generations. Um, and generations uh, seeking uh, forgiveness for the sins of previous generations. And he looked at the youth, it was a youth service, and he, he apologized to them. That his generation, uh, that they had did a disservice to the youth because we have lost our way in how we seek God. Amen. We haven't been prayer warriors in front of them. And I thought about that and I had to pull my notes back out about 1130 last night to put some changes in there and to add this because we have. I remember years ago going to church and seeing an altar full of people and it wasn't a two minute prayer. And I'll stand up here and repent right now myself because I'm the same way. But people would get in the altar and they would pray until they got breakthrough. We would start church at 6 o'clock. I'd have a uh, school on Monday morning at, at 7, 38 o'clock, but we weren't leaving until 11, 12 o'clock because they prayed through. I can remember camp services at Camp Maranatha in High Point, North Carolina, where we would start at 6 o'clock, and it was well into 12 and 1 o'clock before we ever made it to a dorm because people were seeking God for breakthrough. And that's when we saw the change. We saw an outpouring of revival that we had never felt and seen before. Lives were being changed. People were being called into the ministry, filled with the Holy Spirit. Healings were occurring. But we've gotten away from that. And we've got to get back if we want to see a revival and an outpouring of God the way that we have in years past. Because God is saying... God has promised us that in the last days He will pour His Spirit out upon all men and all flesh. But we have to seek Him. It doesn't just happen because it says it in the Bible. There has to be an action on our part. But here's the thing. It is happening in other parts of this world. Because there are parts of this world where this is all they have. This book is all they have. They don't have the modern uh, advances that we have. The technology we have. The things to pull them away from this book. And so we've got to get back to the root of the word. We've got to get back to seeking the word in order to experience that outpouring of God. If we are truly to experience a move of God, a passionate desire to be closer to him and to have revival, not only in our hearts, but in our nation, then we will need to make our own selves uncomfortable and present the following a sacrifice of our lips 
through praise and worship. We will have to present a sacrifice of our time through prayer. We will have to practice, excuse me, uh, sacrifice our resources through giving. We will have to sacrifice our talents through working. Pastor has gotten up here continuously and preached that we all have talents. Whether you're playing an instrument, whether you're speaking, whether you're greeting at the door, even the fellowship that we have today, that's a talent to walk around and greet those. And then finally, our bodies through fasting to him. And that's one that is another tough one, especially in this day and age. You don't hear people talk about fasting the way they did years ago. But we've got to get back to that. We've got to sacrifice when we want to see that breakthrough. When we are desperate, God intervenes. The story is told in 2 Kings of a woman who gave her last jar of oil to Elisha. Uh, The long and short of it, the woman had a husband that was very, very uh, devout. He he served God, um, but uh, he had passed away and she was in great debt. Um, and it, it was at the point that where the debtors were coming and saying that they were going to take her sons into slavery uh, to pay her debt off. And so she went to the prophet Elisha because she knew he could help her. Again, she was desperate to reach something. You can't get more desperate. Those of you that have children know when something's about to happen to your children, you will do whatever you can to make sure that child is protected. Make sure that that child is in good hands. And so she went to the prophet and she asked him, she said, I I need something. I don't know what to do, but I know you're a man of God and you can do something. And here's the thing. He came to the house. He said, we'll take that jar of oil. She said, it's all I got. She was giving up the last piece of anything that she could have to pay off debt. But God worked a miracle that day through Elisha. He said she sent her sons out to get more buckets from the neighbors and they began to pour. And that oil just began to pour and overflow. And by the time it was all said and done, there was enough oil to pay off that debt. You see, when we seek God, her husband had sought God. He had been a faithful man. When we seek God, God comes on the scene and intervenes. The story of Peter walking out on the water. He had faith. He said, as as Jesus came to him in Matthew chapter 14, Lord, let me come to you. And so while his eyes were on God, we were in good shape. We're walking. I'm walking on water. This is great. This is lovely. Got a little bit of man in him. Thought, okay, yeah, I'm walking on water. Uh-oh, and now it's start to sink. And all of a sudden, he's getting to that point that I talked about earlier where he's probably gasping for some air thinking, uh-oh, this is not going my way. He looked up and he said, Master, help me. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm sinking in water, I'm pretty desperate. And so what happens, God then picks his hand and he pulls him up. You see, when we are desperately seeking God, he intervenes. But this is the thing we have to understand. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. But he will be on time in his will. So when you're praying and seeking God, see, this is where the faith comes in. You can't just think that when you get up, things are going to change immediately. Sometimes God wants us to continue to sacrifice. He wants to see the desire that I'm speaking about this morning with us. And he wants to see how far and how long we will push through. Sometimes there's a battle going on between God and Satan's forces. And that that, that, that prayer can't get through. But you see, if you continue to seek, we know because we've read it in the book, God has already conquered everything when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. And so when you continue to seek and to pray through and to fast and to give and to do these things in worship to Christ, your breakthrough will come. 
The change will come because God will intervene. We just have to accept that it may not be on our time, but it will be on his time. Finally, this morning, when we are desperate, everything changes. And that's very similar to God intervening. But everything changes. If we desperately seek God as a church, if we fill this altar up day in and day out, I guarantee you that once our hearts are where they need to be with God, people will come through those doors. We will be ministers to them. But until we get things right, it's not going to happen. And so God changes everything when we are desperate. I'm reminded of the story of the children of Israel in the walls of Jericho. And I'll be honest with you, when I first was asked to, to speak, I was going to do a sermon completely around the walls of Jericho. And as I started looking, this thing went a completely different way. Uh, but thankful to the Lord that he let me kind of bring this back in here to close things out. You see, the children of Israel knew that they would have to go through Jericho to get what God had promised them. God had promised them he was going to take them to a new land. He had taken them out of Egypt, out of slavery, and they had went through the wilderness. And they're just about on their way to enter, but they had to go through this great city. Great walls built around it. If any of you are familiar with the wall, uh, Great Wall of China, I mean, it's pretty much an impenetrable force uh, there. Um, that's what these walls were like. They were impenetrable. Um, and the way that Jericho is built uh, in itself as a city, um, it's a natural protection the way it was built. But then these just made it even worse. You weren't getting through it. And see, Joshua recognized that the battle they faced in Jericho, that it was an amazing city. Joshua outlined the plan to the people from God, and they followed it completely. Here's the thing. If you're familiar with the story, and I'll sum it up, because I don't want to linger too far here. If you're familiar with the story, he was given very specific plans from God. And I, I firmly believe if he would have went anywhere away from those plans, that God would not have intervened and made the change he did that day. But Joshua was told that they would walk around the city seven times. Or seven days, you would walk around. They'd be completely silent. On the seventh day, they'd walk around seven times. They didn't carry ammunition with them. They didn't carry weapons. They carried the Word of God, the Ark of the Covenant. They carried uh, their music with them. And God said, well, on the seventh time, once you walk around, I want you to let out a shout. I want you to praise me. I want you to glorify me. Worship. And when that happened, we know what happens there. The walls come down. And I can only imagine that there was ridicule. Uh, the people in Jericho the first day probably said, uh-oh, king, we, you might want to take a look. There's some people out there that look like they're encroaching us. About the third day, they probably just laughed them off. What are these crazy people doing? And then on the seventh day, probably business as usual for them inside the walls. Because they knew that, eh, they've done this all week, it's no big deal. But on the seventh time, when they walked around... And they lifted those horns and they began to worship God. That's when the change occurred. That's when a great city that history says should not have been defeated. That the people in throughout the world of that time just knew you can't get through those walls. That's when everything changed. But it was only because they thoroughly followed God's plan. People will wonder, why are you continually seeking God? We live in a day and age that we are ridiculed more than ever as Christians. But sometimes when we're desperately seeking Him for that, 
That's part of his trial to us to see if we are true about what we're doing. So as the ridicule comes, as the people look at you and say, why are you wasting your time for a God who won't answer you? Someone who's desperate will continue to push through. Why? Because they know that God has already outlined a plan. And if they will continue to push through, then the breakthrough will come. That life will change. Everything about that situation will be completely different when they get up. If our musicians will go ahead and and start coming back uh, as I wrap things up here. Jeremiah, the story of the potter's hand. Jeremiah received a vision from God uh, regarding a potter. Very odd um, vision. The vessel he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he said uh, unto another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, this was Jeremiah speaking, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, says the Lord. Look as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. You see, it's the trust of God that gets us through to where we need to be. We seek Him and we trust Him. It was the trust in God that brought the children of Israel through the walls of Jericho. And as we look at this, uh, this uh, illusion here, the story, that, that the, the vision that uh, Jeremiah received, the potter is who does the work. And he is the potter. And so when we're desperately seeking Him, our own lives are going to change. We're not going to be the same when we're desperately seeking Him when we get up from that altar. Now, if you do that two-minute prayer, you'll probably feel the same way when you leave. But if you will get down and you will seek, as our forefathers did, as the folks did back in the 60s, 70s, and the 80s, then you will see change. If you cry out to God, when you get up, something will be different. Not only in you, but it'll be different around you. And so that's the prayer that we have to seek. The final thing that I want to t- uh, talk about today is the story of Jacob. And again, as I was listening last night to, to Dr. Lamb speak, this is something that he, he threw. And I said, gosh, I wish this would have came to me before. Uh, but I wanted to get it in here because I really felt like it had a meaning for this message today. Uh, in Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. <clears throat> See, I had to open my Bible because I didn't even have it on my notes. <laughs> It says, then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until he the breaking of the day. And now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaks. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And the man said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you asked my name? And he blessed him there. And so Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. I want to call your attention specifically to those couple of verses there in the middle. Jacob told the man, he wrestled with God or his angel. I will not let you go unless you bless me. He wrestled all night. And then eventually he got his breakthrough. And his name was changed because he struggled with God. He struggled until he got the breakthrough he wanted. And he prevailed. It is that desperate desire that will bring about change for us. It was the change that brought through for Jacob. 
because he struggled until he got what he needed. And here's the thing about Jacob, if you're familiar with the story, is that he, he wasn't the most honest man. In fact, his, his actual birthright and, and getting to where he was was because of lies that he had told. But I say that today to let you know that no matter where you are in your life, no matter what has happened in the past, that you can be desperately seeking God. You just have to push through and wrestle with God until that moment that you get your breakthrough. In Psalm chapter 73, David said, Whom have I in heaven but you? Earth was nothing but desire, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. In order to experience a move of God like never before, we must be desperate for His outpouring. And I'm going to say this with all the love in my heart, but weekend warriors... We can't just show up to church on Sunday and expect to be desperate for God one day a week. We cannot no longer afford to be weekend warriors and expect that we come for an hour. And we'll even throw in the hour on Wednesday night. But you can't do it two times a week and get the desperation that we need in order to see change in our world today. It has to be something that you're doing at home. It has to be doing something that you're doing in your job, in your car, everywhere you are. You may not be able to speak out vocally because of things, but you can have a prayer in your heart. You can be seeking God in your heart every moment of the day. It is the actions we show, the story we tell to those around us. That is desperately seeking God. You see, we talk about revival. And we talk about our nation and changing things. But that revival has to first start in us. And that's the only way that revival and change will be brought about is if we as Christians recognize and own up to the fact that we need to desperately seek Him in order to get through. And we've, we've gotten away from that. You guys can start to play softly if you'd like. It is this desperate desire for a move of God, a deepened relationship with Him that brings revival. It is this desire and passion that will shake the pits of hell. It is this desire and passion that will expose sin, it will transform lives, and it will transform nations. Leonard Ravenhill said, A man may study because his brain is hungry for knowledge, even Bible knowledge. But he prays because his soul is hungry for God. So you can study this word all you want, and that is, you've got to do it. It is the sword. You need to know it by heart. But until we're on our knees and seeking God... We're not going to experience revival. The prayer shows God the sacrifice you're willing to make. That you're willing to turn off the television and take an hour to pray with Him each night. A few years ago, there was a movie called War Room. I don't know if any of you have seen the movie. Um, but it was all about designating a spot and, and really praying through and going through. And, and the young lady in that video, uh, that movie, did a great job of illustrating that. Having a prayer closet. Whatever works for you, but that's what's going to get us to where we need to be. How hungry for God are you today? Do you have a desire to see lives changed? Do you have a desire to see your own life changed? Do you have a desire to see revival not only in you, but in our church and our land? And do you have a desire for God to pour out His Spirit like never before? If you do, then the things we've talked about today have to be happening.
And I draw points back to that second point of sacrifice because I truly believe that a desperate desire for God comes through sacrifice. In 2 Chronicles 7, chapter 14, again, this is a verse that is, uh, is often quoted. The Bible says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. If you'd stand to your feet with us, please. I truly believe today that God is calling us. He is calling us to revival. He is calling us to a new place that we've never been. But to get there, we must sacrifice and we must desperately seek Him. And I'm not going to beg you to come to the altar. You've got to make that choice on your own. Because again, as I've said, it's not weekend warriors that come up here on Sunday and pray for two or three minutes that are going to get us where we need to go. It's those that are passionate and willing to do the work on their own from His calling. So as we begin to enter this invitation today, first off, if, if you are here and you don't know Christ at all, when we begin the altar call today, I ask for you to come forward. Uh, it's the greatest change of your life. Nothing that can happen to you, you could win a million dollars and it will not fulfill you the way that the change of Christ does when he comes into your heart. To those of us that have already accepted Christ as our Savior, I, I issue the challenge to you. If this word is spoken to you today, and that's been my prayer all week, is God let me step aside. I've been nervous. I was nervous up until the point I walked up here today. But I felt God since I've been up here. Nerves have went away because God took over. So I hope that these words have went out today. They weren't my words, they were His. But if you have that desperate desire, this altar is going to be open for you today. We'll wait with you as long as we do. It's only 11.15. we got a long time. We'll wait as long as we need to for you to get where you want to be with God. Father, we thank you today for this time, Father, together. Lord, as I pray this prayer to you this morning, Father, I thank you for the word that you've given. Lord, I invite my fellow Christians, Lord, my my friends, my family in Christ, Lord, to come forth to you, Father, today. As we pray this prayer, Lord, to begin to seek you, Father. Lord, to seek you relentlessly and desperately, Father. For we know that we are in a day and age, Lord, that we need you more than ever. Father, things have changed and we need to get back to our first love and to seek you. So, Father, I pray today, Lord, that these words would go out. And they would penetrate hearts, Father. That they would let us reflect upon our own practices, Lord. That we would begin making sacrifice unto you, Father. That we would make ourselves uncomfortable in you, Father. That you would bless us. Lord, that we would be as Jacob. That we would wrestle with you, Lord. That we would push through until we get breakthrough. Father, it is this prayer, it is this desperate desire that I believe in my heart wholeheartedly that will change our lives and our nation. Lord, it is when we will start to see children saved. It is when we will start to see bondage broken, Lord, chains broken, Father. We will start to see uh, demons cast out, healings occur, Father. Financial uh, breakthrough will occur, Father. But Lord, most of all, it's when revival will come to this land. So, Father, let us desperately seek you today, Father. Let us desperately seek you in all that we do. If you are and you're willing, please, please, 
I invite you to come today.